Hey y'all, this is Jonathan Martin and welcome to the Zeitcast. So happy that you're here. I've decided to call tonight's episode ADHDAF because I'm with it. I know the abbreviations, I know the slang, I know the lingo. Some of y'all may not know, I used to be a youth pastor back in the day. So I know, I said, I know how kids use abbreviations. So I know that obviously the AF stands for as fun as in, uh, as a person with ADHD, I am as fun as anyone else there. See, I told you, I knew, I know the words all the kids say. Yeah. So I want to talk about ADHD, and I thought the timing's off because I'm recording this on late night, early morning, June 2nd, and technically May was Mental Health Awareness Month. I didn't wait to record it out of being a contrarian. I'm not really a contrarian. I just didn't get around to this. But it felt like maybe it would be important to talk about it. I feel like I make a lot of drive-by references to my ADHD, which I don't know. Even if that sounds whatever, uh, some of the things I say, I mean, I tend to be self-deprecating as things relate to me in my life uh, and really that journey into awareness about my ADHD and how it affects me has been really profound and really helpful. So I'll talk about it sometimes in joking ways. It had some pretty significant implications for my life and I think maybe for the people around me. And one of the things I thought would be cool about this, because and I do want to follow up in this way. I do think it'd be great to have a conversation with somebody in my life who would be an expert, an actual mental health professional, who would really be illuminating, nuanced, bring context, perspective. I'm thinking about Dr. Hillary McBride. She's one of my favorite guests we've had on the show, and I love Hillary McBride, love her work. Thinking about somebody like Tony Caldwell. Some of those folks that we've had on that we know and love would be awesome. But here's what I realized may be one of the great downfalls in my life thus far. I keep trying to talk about things that I know about, ostensibly at least. I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm not an expert at theology or like whatever, but I know my way around a little bit. I keep trying to think about, to, to talk about things, communicate about things that I actually know about. And I feel like that's not the way the world works now. You, nobody cares about hearing anything, talk about anything they know about. Who wants to hear what an expert says? <laughs> we want to hear from someone completely untrained with an utterly unformed opinion. Um, why don't, please tell us. <laughs> I'm being a little bit facetious, but actually, um, while I'm being silly about it, I do think there's something cool about how in these weird digital spaces, we're able to process things out loud a bit together and have the freedom to be able to do that. As a non-expert, it's actually pretty good. And I'm hoping where it could be helpful for you as someone who is not a um, not licensed as a a psychologist or anything like that and as a person who's very much kind of working my way through my own issues my own thoughts about these things I hope that would be helpful in your own process of sorting because I think a lot of us are grappling with things about ourselves and how our brains work especially what a time in terms of how much we continue to learn about the brain and science and uh, medicine for all the things that are scary and dangerous about the world that we live in. It's kind of a wonderful time of discovery in that way. So yeah, so just going to riff a little bit, I'm sure in my ADHD way. And here's what I thought I would do because 
as a non-expert, obviously I want to do this as scientifically as possible, thinking like, what would be the most credible, grounding, like what's the most tethered way I could do this? And here's what I, here's what I came up with. You know, these days we kind of endlessly self-medicate with either it's it's puppy videos or cat videos, which I endorse, I'm in favor of. They, I, I guess I've enjoyed enough of the like puppy videos and the dog videos to where those are the recommended things in my Instagram feed. They're good for the soul. But the other thing is some form of memes. I guess even there's still form, like in a, like a static form, it's still called a meme. The these endless memes that connect to mental health, and I think we see those a lot on social media. And you have that sense of, man, it's like for me when I was on the back row at camp meeting, feeling like the evangelists read my mail. Do you know what I'm talking about? We'd have people come to give words. They would seem to have like some kind of supernatural ability to talk about your life and maybe your past and maybe they know about your sins. Maybe they know about your thought life. And oh my God, I was 12 years old. And that kind of deal, the memes will feel that way to us. And I think it's funny sometimes, you know, like, well, we'll uh, three million people have seen this meme today. And I said, OMG, that was just for me because... <laughs> We feel so laid open. I'm not even making fun of that. I think there's actually something pretty healthy about it. So, but yeah, I couldn't imagine a more scientific, uh, just data-driven way to do this than to simply go through the screenshots on my phone and talk about the memes connecting to ADHD that have resonated with me. Now, to be clear, this was not how I was diagnosed. I've seen a couple different doctors. I've done a couple different uh, tests. Uh, they confirmed that I was ADHD AF, just as fun of an ADHD -er as they'd ever seen, but definitely like off the charts. And it was so interesting because when I first started to come to even a little bit of awareness of any of that, there was just so much surprise because I was kind of in this, um, I think probably like a lot of people, when I heard ADHD in my mind, I collapsed it with ADD. And I'm sure there's plenty of you who are listening right now um, who deal with ADD on some level. And there, uh, because ADHD exists on a continuum, there, there, there is a kind of ADHD, there's a form of ADHD that does mimic or has a lot of crossover with what we think of as kind of classic ADD behaviors or tendencies as, again, as I would understand this as a layman. So, for example, um, the ADD kind of, uh, the, the sort of hyperactivity, um, somebody who probably the people around me would describe me as being pretty high energy. I'm actually not super hyperactive person. I'm not very, I'm not restless typically and fidgety. Um, maybe some of being an only child, that kind of thing actually can, um, you know, sometimes kind of turn the personality on when that sort of has to be, but actually in a group setting sometimes can really recess to the back, very comfortable with alone time and space. And just in general, uh, just, just don't have that kind of that, that, that fidgety, almost more that kind of anxious energy that I, in my mind, associated with ADD and ADHD. What I didn't know at the time is that the other end of the continuum is, while some people have that more kind of a, uh, the sort of classic hyperactivity, uh, the other end of the, of the continuum is inattention. 
And friends, it is in the direction of inattention that I am epically off the charts. So my general lack of life skills, um, I say that somewhat jokingly, but really, you know, how often can you lose your keys or whatever? Just like the very basic, the weird uh, little quirks like, oh, I don't know, um, I can still, I can still tell you, I could still give you right now in this moment, um, monologues I would have learned. I can still give you the prologue to the Canterbury Tales in Middle English, the way I learned it in high school, or uh, this monologue I did in high school from Kuba Khan. Like I have full recall on things like that. But seconds after, um, read and maybe even read three or four times very detailed instructions about anything that's more logistical or that someone who cares about me attempts to give me those kinds of instructions. It's completely out of my brain. Absolutely cannot remember it. Um, the idea of just trying to keep track mentally of any kind of a list. I mean, it's like really embarrassing. And I think over time, what I started to notice happening was that whatever that thing is, it seemed to be getting more pronounced, which now, as I understand it, is much more kind of, is a pretty classic ADHD kind of thing too. Sometimes people have these certain tendencies early in life and kind of stays that way all the way through. But it's also the case that sometimes people when they're younger will apparently have, um, with ADHD, that manifests when you're younger as a kind of giftedness. Um, kind of, oh, this is a this is a bright child. He's quick, good at academics, something like that. But the older that you get, it's more that the other side comes out, and uh, maybe the uh, you kind of dig more into the inattention. And I mean, very non scientifically, my sense of it is life just happens to you. And I think as we age and we deal with some things and that are hard, and we deal with stress and pressure, of course. Uh, you put enough external pressure on a thing and whatever tendencies that maybe were there and kind of dormant already are going to be ex exaggerated. So that makes sense over time because I think about things over my life that I've dealt with that have been stressful and anxious and why it would be that maybe some of those things would come out more. Because I do feel like there was a time in my life when I managed those things better. It still felt like there was like this hard dichotomy. I don't think ADHD is as simple as I'm, I'm certain that people with ADHD would be like math and science people, but you know, all the way back when I was in school, there was, it's kind of wild how that would work. Cause there was this really high performing in terms of like anything that's the kind of verbal proficiency and intelligence, but then almost non-functional when it came to anything that was more uh, connected to math in any form, science that's connected to math, et cetera. Just, you know, just couldn't do it at all. And, but I do think there were more like these, these masking strategies, things I could do to kind of cover that. And it seems to get a little older, those things become a little more entrenched. There was less capacity to cover for that. And I know that a lot of that came out for me in a form of really deep frustration with myself feeling like a disappointment to myself, disappointment to the people around me. Um, also just not understanding. I think the thing that maybe I most didn't understand that I think probably was the catalyst to maybe get into all this at all is that somewhere, somehow, I don't remember what it was that I read first, something I saw somewhere, but that uh, where, where I finally was able to 
to see that this is an ADHD thing. And I think this is exactly what reeled me in. I've always, always kind of had the thing of, you know, my two gears are either extreme. I will either, you know, within a couple days, I can do what in my world in terms of creative stuff would be six months worth of work. Um, mad binges where I do not sleep may or may not really feel the need to eat exactly just this pure adrenaline um, you know not talking about substances but just adrenaline field there's a deadline there's whatever oh yeah like why not why not write 50,000 words this week you know but the flip side of that is going in and out of this extreme capacity to be able to focus and get things done to actually not being able to get out of the driveway as in I have two emails that I need to respond to tomorrow I don't know exactly how to respond to them so feel like that could shut me down for three weeks oh there's this one conversation that I need to have and I don't know quite how to handle it therefore I can't figure out how to do the most basic thing that's right in front of me to do and to kind of swing back and forth between those things this uh, cap this capacity to be able to get so much done and it, it, in a way that could that can feel like a superpower there are times when it feels like oh man i get like you know it's sort of um i'm listening to kendrick <laughs> and got this sense of swaggering feel like oh yeah i can i get in this certain zone if it's like i can get anything done but kind of when I hit that other place, when I'm overstimulated, um, when I don't know what to do next, which is often, I don't do well with too many choices. You know, I used that quote not in the last podcast, but in the description for the podcast. I don't, I've never thought about that lyric match before, but it's a great little line. You two lyric from the song New York. In New York, freedom looks like too many choices. And I do think that's... That rings true for me. Freedom looks like too many choices. I think about um, oh uh, Kathleen Norris's book Cloister Walk, where she talks about spending time, you know, in these monastic communities, convents, and all that. It's been a long time since I read it, but I remember the thing specifically about her being with these monks, and they had always had the same cereal every morning. It was part of their simplicity, and going with this monk to Walmart, and him seeing the cereal aisle there for the first time and it just being completely overwhelmed and it's funny how like i mean that's a funny scene it's a great little scene in the book but that it can actually invoke a kind of terror in me because i both in a way um, enneagram seven if you're into enneagram stuff want uh, open-endedness and one lot of choices but also oh i understand that the cereal aisle with too many choices can be my whole day and sort of unchecked then i can kind of wander into these kind of scenarios like oh well there went a week um from the cereal aisle because um the sense of needing to make the right decision about something like that can be so paralyzing that it just seems to overtake anything well you know you notice these things about yourself and you know, again, the the ability to, to hyper-focus, those things can sometimes feel like, you know, a bit of a gift. The other stuff, just spend a whole lot of time thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? 
and, and not and then you know I think as it is for a lot of us you think does anybody else struggle with anything like this does anybody else have these kind of thoughts am I the only one in the world this is who's this strange and I think that's part of the deliberating uh, thing the cool thing that's happening in this moment now that being said I know there's so much talk about ADHD in particular um, I suppose it risks the possibility of overdiagnosis at least in the sense that right now our technology is changing our brains and we're all in the middle of a long-term science experiment for which there are no uh, results there are no long-term case studies we're the guinea pigs um, uh, we, we ourselves are the guinea pigs in this project so certainly the technology and the addiction to dopamine I think can create kind of carve out some grooves in uh, neuro pathway wise that might look a lot like ADHD no matter who you are. Uh, it's also been observed, I think, fairly that the pandemic just felt like an ADHD kind of time that, you know, you get a lot of time on your hands and go a little bit more inward. And it makes a lot of sense that the combination of not having the same kind of external stimulus in our lives. But, you know, with that also having our technology 24 7 and maybe even becoming more dependent more contingent on our technology uh, how that could uh, you know create that something that looks like that for uh, a lot of us uh, on in some way or another i can tell you this in the couple of different kinds of tests that i did it was pretty off the charts and one of the ways where i know that this has been on point for me is um getting a prescription for Adderall and uh, some people are going to mix reviews on Adderall like anything else depends I'm sure on your biochemistry and I'm sure folks have a lot of opinions about that and you're welcome to have them I can tell you that for me Adderall has been what is it akin to it's it has been akin to um coming to Jesus for the very first time it is the first kiss it is <laughs> It is salvation. It is such a the difference for me of Adderall, which is one of the ways that it's borne out for me. Uh, how deep the ADHD runs is that my my brain just runs very differently with just even a little bit of help. Uh, the capacity to to focus, to lock in, uh, the difference that I feel for me that's it's it's kind of been a miracle drug, and uh, that's not you know no product placement here. It's worked for me. I know all kinds of people who have different tendencies and get on a certain kind of medication and it kind of goes the opposite direction for them but for me it's uh it's been like Moses y'all so I'm just saying well I already said a bit more about that than I meant to but uh hey uh, to the memes and what will happen with these now which is kind of fun this works two different directions sometimes I will find things that are resonant with me and so if I find something that I find helpful in some way. Then, of course, I'm like, hey, Nicole, you got to check this out. And so I start texting her these memes because you want your person to understand you. And so it's like, cool. And I know sometimes I think she feels pity, sympathy, uh, will pat me on the head, which I kind of probably want and appreciate. Other times I imagine that she recalls in horror. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes I'm looking to elicit that, but now it works the other way too, that she'll find things that she thinks sound like me and that can go either way. Sometimes I really love it. And then sometimes I'll be like, Hey, now all of a sudden I go into this, um, 
brief moment of John MacArthur, some sort of uh, patriarchal uh, <laughs> theology. I don't really, my <laughs> woman, get that away from me. <laughs> That's in a little too close to home. Um, but it is kind of hilarious how we find these and um, send them back and forth. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Okay. And again, highly, highly clinical. This is, this is science. Maybe all these people are psychologists, for all I know, and then they just have funny screen names. This, I also wonder when people post stuff, like, how will you ever know, of course, whether or not someone came up with it or they're just reposting a thing. I don't know. At any rate, at ADHD designer once tweeted, I feel so conflicted about structure. I know the ADHD folks can thrive with lots of structure in our lives, but just the thought of living a super regimented lifestyle makes me want to run away. And uh, I found that tension to be really true. It's like, I feel like a lot of people would kind of, if if you talk to them about this, would say that. Oh, well, it sounds like the solution is more structured. Well, in a way it is. Imposed structure can be very, very helpful for those with ADHD, the trick is we are also deeply resistant to structure and it can feel like torment. Um, and it's, so it's really interesting that it can feel like the solution. And yet oftentimes, you know, it helps in some ways, other ways with too much of it, it's too regimented that we don't, we don't uh, thrive so much. I love this one from the Instagram account, unconventional, organization once again this is science (laughs) has a pie graph of working with ADHD and I love it like the biggest chunk of it is let me make a playlist that will help me focus oh my gosh this is reading the mail a little bit too much oh wait I spent five hours trying to make the right playlist for a 20 a task that would take me 20 minutes to do um, the smaller parts of the pie chart, reading random Wikipedia articles. A little bit is just working. Take a five-minute break and getting lost in organizing your phone gallery for an hour. Hey, I need to get to work is another uh, chunk of the pie graph. And then naming my future puppies. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, uh, that rings a little, bit, uh, a little bit too true. From another expert, the Instagram account at ADH bottom score <laughs> the bottom score I'm sure for trademarking purposes we all need a trademark nothing wrong with that it has this meme I actually think is pretty great where you see an astronaut I think it's supposed to be an astronaut and he has his fingers spread out as far as they can possibly go between two buttons and the one on the left is a red button that says procrastinate and the red button on the other side says shame spiral and so he's struggling with the tension between these but at the bottom you see where the astronaut lands get nothing done but also feel exhausted (laughs) yes (laughs) yes this is um this this is very descriptive for adhd i think all of that is fair Again, I think if you hear these things, you see these things, you're able to laugh at yourself or the things that you struggle with, and it can be fun, that's great. But don't weaponize these things against somebody else. That's not, that's not the point, you guys. Y'all, y'all be nice. I just saw one 
Oh, because I feel like this is also very professional as scrolling through my phone while I'm recording this podcast. But I saw one just in the last day or two that I thought was so great. One of those, again, that I felt like just kind of read the mail. Let's see, you guys. So, well, yeah, here's one that I know was um, uh, especially recent. Uh, here we go. You know, by the way, I don't even know all the ways. I don't think I'm going to think about all the ways that how I'm doing this now is probably a manifestation. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not, I'm not at any of this. That's just not the spirit of the time for me is that this is, um, this is raw. This is unfiltered. Oh yeah. 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 I like this a lot here at Shira is inspired on Twitter. This is a pretty inspired tweet by me and that it's, you know, it's kind of short pithy says it get big kind of gets it done. I mean, these are broad strokes, but I feel like some of us can recognize ourselves in this. I thought this was really helpful. So it's like, there's three definitions here. Anxiety, everything is important. Depression, nothing is important. ADHD, I have no idea what's important. (laughs) Which is, in fact, that's it. That names it. That is the struggle with ADHD. That kind of like, you know, I just don't know. The paralysis of uh, any given moment. Uh, So yeah, I'm sure some of these things things are light and fluffy, but I think some of them carry some real weight to them too. And I think one of the things that I've had to come to terms with just in terms of, because the truth be told, I feel like the shame spiral part of ADHD is so real. Um, where Where I've experienced that honestly a lot in the last couple of years has been communication. I'm not going into a whole thing right here, but I can tell you that there have been well, just a handful of things have happened in terms of external stress and pressure and the way I think some of those things affected me at the time, uh, which again, I'm sure some of that over age, like whatever, uh, you know, can you, you start to feel things a little bit differently. But I feel like there have been stretches in particular where in ways that were so weird for me, I don't know if there's anybody else's experience, but feeling just deeply overwhelmed by communication. Uh, for one, um, I actually just really care. I don't mean that to sound cheesy. I really care about connecting with anybody and everybody and um, giving things weight and attention. So I don't feel like a one-line response is appropriate. Like if you say, hey, thanks for your podcast. Thanks for your talk. Then I'm going to respond with three lines because I feel like that's just what it is to engage in a way that's kind or caring or something. So Anyway, I'll get easily backed up, I'll get easily overwhelmed, and then end up not responding to things, not because they're not important to me, but they're so important as to be paralyzing, is what that often will look like for me. Which I feel like that's how ADHD manifests a lot, really, in terms of this whole thing of executive function, that kind of getting in your head over decisions that need to be made in some form or another, that shuts you down in other ways as at Sasha Perico, if I'm saying that right, tweeted. This is science. (laughs) With ADHD, I have exactly three types of work days. One, get absolutely nothing done. Two, get four hours of work done at a random time of day. Three, get 40 hours of work done in eight hours. (laughs) That is a, that is a, a pretty astute tweet 
to me because that is the thing. The other direction feel like a superpower. Um, I can. It does. Like forty hours of work done in eight hours. Yeah, that's great. And boom. Um, the other end of the continuum does not always feel as fun. And what's weird is um, that I feel like it's such a common thread when people talk and reflect deeply and honestly about their ADHD is that um, often the way that that the way that that actually looks, the way that it actually is manifested in our lives is. Um, there's there's not a capacity sometimes in the moment to to get past the thing, and there are to be clear there are strategies and practices, and I am learning those strategies and practices. I think that look different for everybody else. I know for me, as much as I try to avoid it, healthy eating is a huge part of that. If I am even attempting to eat moderately healthy, if I'm getting any kind of exercise. Preferably doing that earlier in the day is really good for my brain. You know, I heard that great quote years ago that basically to, you know, work out for your brain. And there's some pretty decent side effects for your body, but it's mostly being for your brain. So um, all of that stuff is funny, too, because, you know, for me, being unhealthy looks like fast food three times a day. And my and I'm gonna, this is all in quotation marks. I'm aware that this is not healthy. But my version of then getting healthy will go from going from that kind of radical unhealth to oh, I need to do like a seven day cleanse. I don't even know if I believe in things like cleanses, but I did that a few months ago because I was just determined to, to, to I was going to lose 20 pounds. And, um, you know, that's 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 how I roll. That's the ADHD brain. The point I was trying to make, though, is that while there are strategies and ways to cope and to get better, obviously, their best practices, that there do seem to be moments where your brain just kind of shuts down and just an absolute no. And I think that's the part, especially for people that don't have ADHD, especially hard to understand. And so, so maybe this is a little word tonight for people who are in relationship with an ADHD person. I just want to encourage in the Lord tonight to be awfully nice to that, to that person. <laughs> Because I, I, I totally see how this happens. That if you don't have it, the other person does. That uh, it's, it can just kind of be like, "Yo, why can't you just do this? <laughs> why can't you just flip the switch?" And sometimes it really isn't as easy as, as flipping the switch, especially when you kind of get into that shame spiral. Um, I do want to say in general since i'm pontificating about a lot of things because as a non-expert i can pontificate about anything that i want to i do think in general that stuff like just getting outside oh my gosh that you know there is no situation around depression where if someone has the capacity at all to be outside that they're not be told to do that more because i think getting outdoors that getting out in nature, I think there's something to that. Uh, you're not in a place where you control the thermostat. You're not in a place where you're in charge. The kind of surrender and letting go, I think any form of outdoor anything, which uh, we know study after study links that with depression in kids and teenagers uh, at astronomical uh, rates right now. You know, not again, that we wouldn't struggle with those things anyway, but it's so exacerbated by the fact that our technology cuts us off from that kind of life. Whereas I think when we engage and when we're forced a little bit, sometimes even to engage nature, to engage the world, to engage beauty, um, which is what I found for me sometimes and kind of when I'm in the, 
um, that that side of the ADHD spiral is finding those practices that get me out of my head in particular because I go very inward, get very into my head and finding those things that help you get out of your head and into your body, into yourself, into your soul a little bit. You know what? Um, for me as a Christian, that's where the Book of Common Prayer, that's where any kind of liturgy has been incredibly helpful because whereas for a lot of my life, it felt like my prayer life, any sort of devotional life, all those kind of things were up to me. The idea of being able to use words as a guide I cannot tell you, it's interesting, actually, even in this more, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but kind of more charismatic sense of the word, these kind of mystical experiences, a sense of encounter with God, I've had so many more of those from doing liturgical prayer than I ever did when I just sort of prayed whatever or read whatever um, as the Spirit would lead, quotation marks, because I actually found that the rhythm and the grounding of having prayers that have already been written um, having texts that are given to me, that that or those, that's actually what gets me out of my head, gets me out of the roots in my brain, into something broader and wider. It's what's fascinating me about something. I mean, the the continuum from speaking in tongues, which of course is something that uh, that we do that we do in my tradition. This is speaking in tongues, which are the idea of a, of transcendent speech. It's interesting now how much I see something like speaking in tongues is actually being very, very similar, more similar than not, to what liturgy does. When I say the Jesus prayer over and over again, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Good grief. I said that, I meant to say that as an example just then, and saying that out loud, I felt my blood pressure go down. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Or the fuller version, uh, have mercy on me, a sinner. But oftentimes I'll just say three or four times, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I'm saying it right now just because it feels good to say. And I think what's happening is that now there is, there's, a, my, there's an auto response in my body. I, the, the, those words, again, the same way I think that, trunk, that tongues does kind of in an opposite direction. It's a way of transcending, it's a way of getting over these just sort of external, superficial triggers within your body and getting to a place that is deeper, a sense of, of spirit, a sense of connection, ultimately a sense of yourself. You know, I'm not saying that this, this kind of new agey way, this sense of a deep sense of self, a healthy sense of self that is connected, that is integrated, that is whole. Um, I, I'm not trying to make this into a whole thing on liturgy and the sacraments. I do think it's interesting to think about that surely there are spiritual practices for those of us that deal with things like ADHD. Maybe you deal with anxiety, maybe you deal with depression. Um, thinking about what are those spiritual practices in particular that are pathways for me of freedom, that maybe I need more of these than others do, or at least more than I've experienced them before. What are, where are the, and I think having the freedom even to experiment a bit with different forms of of prayer, different kinds of body prayer. You know, I know like, especially for me, again, as somebody gets really stuck in my head, anything that gets me more into my body, gets me more into myself, gets me more a sense of being connected to God, feeling connected to others, far less likely to get in the shame spiral, far less likely to get in the whole sort of um, the world's against me and how, how, would I, how would I ever get out of the driveway today kind of, kind of thing. 
Um, there are practices that help us with that. And I think that it's a really interesting thing. And maybe that would be when I have on Hillary or uh, Tony and some of these wise guides that we trust, the, a good conversation to have is to think about specific spiritual practices that would help some of us who deal with some of these issues uh, neurologically to, uh, to get connected in just the right ways. Um, yeah, I just think that's a, that could be a really important conversation. Hey, these have been my non-expert ramblings on ADHD. Occasionally, of course, um, interrupted with, this is science. <laughs> the thing that I'm doing right now is not ADHD. This is just the thing that I do. I, this, is, this, is, this is my other thing. I don't even know what that what it is, but I'm glad you put up with it. Thanks for hanging around. Thanks for liking, subscribing, reviewing, sharing. Thank you, especially for those of you who give on Patreon. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to get to spend this kind of time with you. And I hope you will uh, let me know in the comments, wherever you're listening. Seriously, let me know what rings true. Let me know about this. Break something open in you. Let me know what you uh, struggle with about it. Uh, and I'm sure all of you like me are, uh, or at least a number of you are also ADHD AF, uh, just as fun as, as any other neurodiverse, uh, folks who are out there. I love y'all. Thanks for listening to Zeitcast. We'll talk again real soon.